seven. We are seven. Today we have turned seven. Seven. Seven episodes old. We are a week old in terms of if episodes were days. Hooray! And in dog years, that would be a lifetime. We are 49 dog years <laughs> old in podcast time. And boy, does it not feel like it. No. It feels like just yesterday. It does. Do you, do you remember back in the day when it was like episode four? I do. I don't honestly remember what episode four was about. That was half a podcast lifetime ago. Mm, episode one, though. I remember the ASMR. I do, too. We have not brought it back, and <laughs> no. we should bring it back. We should bring it back. Oh, we haven't forgotten the ASMR. Many meridians will be had. Considering it's the only episode that has listeners. That means it must <laughs> resonate with people. Keep listening. I will make random noises that are maybe voluntary or involuntary. <laughs> I can't anymore. It hurts. I can't keep that up for much longer than a few seconds because I just start laughing. I know. Imagine doing an entire podcast whispering. I, I could not. I could not do that. I'm sorry. I can't. It would just end up being like a like an emo scream the entire time. The ASMR portions of our podcast will be short and high quality, and I'll but they e cannot last for too long. I'll even hold part of my headphone, too, like I'm recording a, a, an emo scream song. Perfect. Yeah. <sighs> 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 Probably just sounds like a burping or something. Yeah. It just sounds really awful the entire yeah. time. Yeah. Okay. So we Welcome. have news. We have news. Lots. Not really have, a lot of news. We have news and random things before we actually talk about organized thoughts. I feel like for this title, boot up, we need like a boot up sound. But like, Beep. Those... <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking. Something like that. That is exactly what I was thinking. We need we need official boot up sounds that we can <laughs> either make up organically or not. We'll figure it out. I can't do sound effects. It's save my life so it's fine i can occasionally make them but i don't like to okay so considering the fact that we're talking about noises one of the things we have here is ring now requires two-factor sign-ins for home security devices i have not ever used ring <laughs> i i have involuntarily used ring because when i walk into work i walk past a ring doorbell for a business that is not the one i work at so i'm sure i've been i've been a guest star on somebody's ring be because people often hit that ring button and I walk past it and I don't know if I should make faces or do something inappropriate. I don't know, but ring, it's a thing. And it only has two-factor authentication as of maybe a week and a half ago because its security was about as good as a screen door. I think you should throw gang signs at it. I think so. Might as well just raise a ruckus. Right. It's amazing that they didn't have it before and they resisted it for so long and now they have proper two-factor authentication and I believe they also have password security requirements and funny enough they have two options currently right now it's you can receive a six-digit code via email or you can do the ridiculously insecure method of getting it sent to your SMS to SMS to your phone which means that you could get SIM swapped and someone could just spoof your number and get your 2FA code and then get into your mm. account regardless. So don't use 2FA via SMS ever. 
even if it's op even if it's given to you as an option i just wouldn't ever recommend doing it just don't do it it's a bad idea yeah baby steps i guess though you know it's better than not having it before where ring was just like okay we'll brute right. force no and have no security so fact so just to preface this week's episode is very retention and 2fa heavy so if you find any of those topics boring i recommend don't listen no, you yeah, should we, listen anyways. <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll have plenty of other fun stuff along the way. It's yeah. more than just retention. We're going to go into the weeds of Office 365 this week and all kinds of various topics. We're getting um, down and dirty. And we're slowly working our way into there. And one of our last random doesn't fit anywhere else topics is Microsoft is bringing its Defender ATP product to Linux, iOS, and Android. So... More expanding their cloud security and endpoint security offerings. It's coming to Linux, giving you one more reason to switch to Linux because all of those viruses <laughs> we get on Linux can now be defended by Defender. I mean, you can get PowerShell Core. Hooray. And PowerShell Core and Visual Studio Code and Teams, but not Office. Uh, sorry, no no Office. You, sorry. You, get the, you, get, you only get the web versions of Office and Linux. And uh, go pound sand if you don't like that, I guess, for now. Do you, do you still have to use Wine to, to get real applications like Office? So, so I have been experimenting with Wine. <laughs> well... <laughs> well. I like all forms of wine. Let me just preface this. And I've had a, just a few wines tonight, IRL, but... <laughs> the digital wines and the, the liquid wines. I will do the best to stick to the Linux version of wine for this discussion. So wine on Linux. Um, so why have, not? Why not pseudo apt get install winehq dash y? Heck um, yeah. Wine is a interesting product for Linux where you can run Windows applications on Linux natively without the use of VMs or emulators or containers or anything. Wine used to specifically stand for Wine is not an emulator. Now what I believe is just called Wine just to be called Wine. You can install it straight from app to get repositories. And once you install it, it's a matter of whether or not the thing you want to run on Linux is actually going to work with Wine. WineHQ.org has a huge repository and database of apps and they rate them based on platinum gold silver bronze garbage based on how well it works in linux i believe last i checked unfortunately i don't think any of the microsoft office versions are currently rated anything higher than maybe a silver and i think the best rated version is office 2010 for some reason the current version of office it apparently crashes during the installer as with OneNote and it kind of ends there, unfortunately. I was really bummed out because I wanted to try that out, and I will experiment with it further. But according to the WineHQ database, I'm not going to get very far. So that's currently the state of things. But other things in Wine work. You can run Solitaire. You can run Pinball. I've installed several random programs just to see if they could work on a whim, and they seem to. So Wine is nice when it works, but, you know, your mileage may vary. Mm, well, it depends on the type of wine. That's true. If you're getting like $6 wine, then, you know, you might be puking it up later. Expect a headache. In other news, in other news, I just found out that there is a goat simulator and I don't know where I have been all this time. Really? Goat simulator's been out for a couple of years. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I didn't know. 
Goat Simulator is a wonderful waste of time, and but it's a wonderful waste of time. Yes, so. I spent like three hours just jumping the other day, and it was the happiest moment of my life. Isn't there like an achievement as to how many glitches you can find in the game or something like that? Yes, I'm so sad I didn't know about this sooner. Yeah, well, yeah, Goat Simulator, that's, um, that's a time sink in itself. Oh, it's what every sysadmin aspires to be when they decide to quit IT. Goat Simulator is an accurate depiction of your life in IT, especially as a sysadmin. You walk into work and you're just like, okay, why is that house upside down and floating? But I need to fix it by 4 o'clock today or else my ass is fired. I don't know, something like that. Something like that. IT Simulator, that's what we need. IT? Next... <laughs> Isn't that work? It's called work. Yeah, we don't need a game or a simulator. It's just every day in IT. Every much. day. It's like the Sims in real life, only worse. <laughs> Anyways, so talking about work, uh, I constantly need interventions. So I cheesily named this one Retention Intervention because I, I kept thinking uh, like Schoolhouse Rock Conjunction Function... Function, junction, injunction, (laughs) conjunctivitis. I was literally just about to say that. (laughs) Conjunctivitis, whether or not it rhymes or not. I was trying to make a rhyme like that for retention. It did not work. So I left it just as retention, intervention. Retention, intervention, suspension. (laughs) Suspension, convention. Consent. Injection? In- no, no. We did say this was going to get de- dirty. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I didn't think that dirty. Oh, here, yeah. Well, I did. Sorry. <laughs> we started with ASMR. That was our problem. I'm going to stop rhyming now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So to get into the weeds here and out of the mud, we are going to review what are the different types of retention in Office 365. So we have multiple different options. So specifically when we're talking about exchange, it gets really dicey because there's a lot of options. And depending on what you're trying to do, you could potentially be finding yourself in a situation of which one do I choose? And there are all sorts of pretty diagrams that exist on the interwebs that sort of describe. But if you've never gone in there and looked at it, you will have you'll be scratching your head wondering what the f am i looking at yeah and i'm sure your legal department also heavily wants to know exactly what you are keeping and how long you are keeping it and and how much is this going to cost with licensing to keep that and all sorts of other ifs gotchas and what have yous correct so yeah before you put any sort of retention policies in place, definitely get signed up from your information security team or from your legal compliance teams, because depending on GDPR and other sorts of rules and laws out there, you could be putting your company in some sort of pickle. Typically not, um, but you could run into those issues. There are different types too. By default, Exchange has the MRM. And that is, I forget exactly what it stands for, because for some reason my brain just decided to forget. I keep thinking mailbox retention mailbox, but that makes no sense whatsoever. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Messaging records management. There we go. 
Hey, I got none of those correct. Hooray. Yeah, no, you, you failed. You get the big eh. I'm so, really good at guessing, but not good at guessing this time. So by default, Exchange has an MRM, so the messaging I already forgot because it's like a tongue twister. Messaging records management on by default, so there's already a default policy in place that says what to do with messages after duration of time. That is not a long-term solution. That is just to keep mailboxes clean and tidied up and is not a way to long-term recover or really uh, have any sort of discovery done. Does it work? Yes, as a short-term solution, but it is not a solid way to get your licenses back or have any sort of um, be able to e-discovery search it and legal search it. Yes, you can, but it's not a long-term solution. I know it's confusing. I have a I have a question from the yes. from from the forum the forum that is me. <laughs> do so retention policies are they on by default? Are do they cover all of the breadth of the Office three sixty five products all at all in one swoop, or must you configure them individually for every single one, especially as Microsoft adds new one, new products and such? So that is a good question. So. Global retention is not on by default. It is something you do have to configure and it is per product. You can globally configure it for everything or you can get really super granular. And if you want to get extremely granular, that's when you can start getting into retention tagging. And when you start doing that, that's when you can really fine grain tune you can really fine tune exactly how long you want to keep certain types of documents, um, how you want to alert and tag other types of messages coming through. So if they're secure, it's not even just messages. It's now broadly expanding to Teams. It's now in SharePoint. So you can really cover yourself all over the board. And it helps when you're trying to also recover licenses because not every organization has the ability to have unlimited licensing due to cost right and yeah that's probably a big one but you know if you're not you know education or some kind of super you know money spending tenant where you have nearly unlimited you have to keep track of all of that um in my a couple of jobs ago i had to keep track of this more often where if someone left, we had to make sure we were not only archiving their data as they left, but we had to make sure we had to check the rest of... This was when OneDrive was brand new at the time. I want to say this was uh, 2011, 2012... Uh, sorry, 2012, 2013. OneDrive had been around, but OneDrive for Business was not widely adopted. And in the place that I was at, it was fairly brand new. So it naturally all of us weren't that great at Office 365 yet at that point and there came a point where we realized oh people are starting to save stuff to their OneDrive we need to be able to salvage that data when they leave and we have to make sure that when we remove their licenses we make sure that their data and files don't just go poof right so I'm sure that covers it it does. So in OneDrive, you can set the period of time sort of like the MRM of how long you would like to keep something. But again, it is not a true retention policy. It's just setting a global setting. Um, other reason, other things that Microsoft has suggested in the past using litigation hold, but it only applies to a mailbox. Um, in place holds, those are going away. But those types of things are cumbersome to manage. I've seen some organizations 
decide to go with converting all of their mailboxes to shared mailboxes. Ooh, that is they, yikes. Because it doesn't moly. require using a license. Yeah, that's um well that's an interesting way to get around it, I guess. If you're if, I guess if you're less informed about it, it's an interesting solution. You're solutioning for a problem that you probably should be solutioning better for. I am more familiar personally with the um the legal uh the holds, yeah, yeah, where you put an e-discovery hold, but as you said, that's going away. So I feel like my knowledge of that is soon going to be fairly useless. I had some, I remember I had some documentation I wrote for myself on how to put those in, but that will soon right. be replaced by security and compliance policies and more proper, more modern yes. methods of yeah. holding stuff. So this is really helping you create a more modern workplace with going about this method. Another approach as well is to... So one of the things I've been challenged with in the past is how do we turn this on when someone leaves the organization? But the real approach is how do you convince the organization to accept turning this on at the account creation level? Because do you really want to be waiting till someone leaves to apply a retention policy when you could really be grabbing all of that data from the beginning? And right. And then you're really keeping everything in scope and you don't have to worry about the cumbersome task of trying to offboard all of these accounts as people are leaving when it's just on from the get-go. It's not causing any issues. It's not taking up additional space. It's just there. It's on. It's doing what it's supposed to do. And when someone leaves, they can be uh, removed from the licensing groups and call it a day. Now, I'm sure this... Um DLP, does that intertwine with retention stuff? Like, for example, I'm trying to imagine the worst case scenario where someone, ha you're in an organization where your primary method of storing data is in OneDrive, and you may or may not allow the OneDrive client to sync on not only company computers, but some of those computers are mobile, and perhaps maybe they have loaded the OneDrive sync client on a desktop at home. What kind of protection does there, does maybe a retention policy do for the scenario where someone might go and say, I'm going to either move or delete all this data out of my OneDrive when there's a policy against it? Is so, that something that retention covers or is that DLP? So DLP would be more of setting the guidelines around allowing somebody to move that data. So you could put a DLP policy in place that says, uh, can only use on their Azure join device, can only use, basically utilizing conditional access to accept or deny where someone can move data to and from. So if they're not using their work workstation, then they may not, a DLP policy could be put in place that would allow them, that would disallow them to move that data. It can also, you can also set DLP policies that don't allow you to share to external people, only allow you to share internally. They can really get super granular as far as even not, not allowing someone to download a document and only view it in an Outlook browser uh, or an Outlook client. So oh, DLP, okay, DLP and retention work together. So you could set a retention tag on a document that can be downloaded. So if someone does delete it from OneDrive, it'll keep a copy of that. Okay, so it, it won't necessarily stop them from committing the delete, but it will at least save it on yes. the back end then. Yes. Cool. Awesome. So they can delete all they want, but it won't truly delete. 
Unless you have a DLP policy in place that stops them from downloading or deleting or moving items. Uh, your right. retention policy isn't going to stop someone. It's just going to keep a copy of it in a place that they don't know. Nice. Like most Microsoft products, let's obfuscate the let's obfuscate where it's being saved. Yeah, no one knows in the secret secret. It reminds me of the days of, I really miss when the exchange deleted deleted bin was called the dumpster. That was my ultimate favorite name. Oh yeah, that's the best. Or yeah, I think now I think now it's just I think now it's called something boring like recover deleted items or yeah. something something more proper. But I think if you do use MFC Mappy or other tools, it, it is still in there somewhere, the dumpster folder. Just like SCCM and SMS or MemCM or whatever they want to call it nowadays, I'm sure the original name is still going to be forever ingrained somewhere on the back end, deep inside on the coding end of things, because they're never going to change that, because why bother? Why bother? Why would you? Like, I'm never going to call it MemCM or Microsoft Endpoint Manager. I'm just going to call it SCCM because, you know what, that's what it was right. called when I first learned it, and I'm not going to change all my OneNote pages now about it. Right. That is what its name is to me, and that's what it will be forever called. Yeah, so, stop renaming stuff, Microsoft. So deal with it. So, yeah, that's my spiel on yeah. on retention. That is awesome. I've learned a lot, or, or I feel like I've contributed almost nothing to this conversation, but I can at least ask that's some okay. interesting questions. That's how I feel every time you talk. So it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, Yay, color I know things. <laughs> like I said, color commentary is going to be the name of the game for me tonight. So. <laughs> yes. Oh, can we also just briefly talk about how Microsoft is a leader in the five Gartner Magic Quadrants? They are so good at leading the Gartner Magic Quadrants that they a five. lead five <laughs> of them. Five. There is a they, bonus one. They got a spare one. Yeah. And they're in all five quadrants. I can't wait till they master the sixth magic quadrant. Then it would be an even number again. Yeah. At least then you could get away with it being a quadrant. It's not it's, a quadrant anymore. It's a, it's a uh, penta, pentagram? Yeah. Satanic pentagram, It I sounds guess. satanic. The, the, the Gardner Satanic Pentagram is the next level of mastery after you've mastered the magic quadrants of Gardner. Gardner exactly. Magic Quadrant reveals you're not the father. Congratulations. Consult the magical Gardner Quadrant fairy um, fortune teller. Soothsayer. Right. <laughs> right. Palm reader. Cor Cortana. <laughs> <laughs> I shall call her Cortana. All of the Gardner Cortana quadrants integrated right into your AI-powered desktop. I could I could see Cortana being a gypsy woman. Yeah. With a crystal ball. Like could you see like Cortana and Siri like going out to lunch or something? Oh yeah, I bet they have epic thumb wars. They probably just drink a lot of wine and just go to town on and, yeah. gossiping or whatever, I yeah. guess. My favorite thing to do with Siri is ask her uh, to sing the Wizard of Oz song. My favorite thing is trying to get Siri to do anything lately. Just today I was trying to get Siri to, to start a timer, and not only did I get Siri to start a timer, then I got Siri to tell me four times that she lost the connection. And I was like, but you completed the timer, and the timer is counting down. Stop telling me you lost the connection. I think she's trying to ghost you. 
I think she is. It's really annoying. I was just trying to cook a pizza, and Siri wouldn't let me. I think she's sick and tired of you telling her what to do. Feminism. Yeah, she, I guess so. Suffrage. I'm just going to set my watch on fire now. Oh, no. I feel like I've learned a lesson. <laughs> Put it in a pot of boiling water. Here Let's you burn go. the Apple Watches. <laughs> Here you go. Take that. Bye. Bye. Bye, Felicia. All right. Okay. So now that Siri has compromised your soul. Let's have something else compromise our souls, like Office 365 licensing. Yeah, in general. Oh, boy. I, I will I will admit when you first sent me this link to this GitHub that's literally just like PNG files and PDFs of just the the treasure maps that are the licensing matrices for my, matrices for Office 365. I seriously thought this was a joke, and then I started clicking and reading these, and I couldn't believe what what I what rabbit hole I'd been taken down. Yeah, so Steve and I have decided to create a game with this. Um basically a board game and we'll use monopoly money and i think we'll be bankrupt by the end of it i would have gone directly to jail after five minutes of just trying to yeah. figure out what what office 365 tenant i'm in and what products i'm entitled to i'm entitled to I, was, that was my favorite one of my favorite ones in there was oh it was the most basic of the basic licenses the and f license to, was it the f license it was like the fu license it was like, F you, go straight to jail, do not there collect $200. Here we go. I just found it in this huge yeah. PDF. The Microsoft yeah. 365 F1. Limitations. The limitations include no Outlook access, no voicemail, <laughs> users cannot be administrators, users cannot add SharePoint storage, no OneDrive for Business Sync, cannot create Teams meetings, no Skype desktop or app sharing, cannot schedule Skype meetings, no access to productivity servers. It's like being in jail, but in Office 365. But you're, yeah, you're forced to use their services, except for the useful ones. So what is the use case where you get this tenant license? Is this like if you apply for a trial and it expires or something? Or or is Me. this just like provisionary or? Right. And what is exchange online kiosk? What does that um, even mean? Like some kind of thing you walk by in a mall. Right. Do I'm I have to sure. go to the mall to use it? I don't understand. Ex and it's called exchange online kiosk. Like, what does that even mean? What is that? Why? Someone please tell me. Do I need to use my surface to access such? That could be possible. Maybe. Oh, here. Oh, here we go. Also things you don't get. Microsoft 365 F1 users are entitled to local installs of Windows 10 E3. Microsoft F1 does not include KMS activation, re-imaging rights, downgrade rights, long-term. So basically, it seems very personal. Yeah, this is this. This seems like a very like angry, like vengeful type of license licensing skew. I don't what. I've never heard of this. I've never seen this actually in production. I feel like this is just here just to make this PDF look more confusing than it actually is. Right. Because when you look when you look right next to it, then you have the E3 license, which is a little bit more familiar and a little bit more sane. But oh, before that, we got the FU license, the F1. I'm I'm definitely thinking about making this a board game. Yeah, you could literally just roll a die and then go diagonally, go up, down, pass it around. Right. And and I don't know. Look at the, what have I landed on? I've looked, I've landed on BitLocker and BitLocker to go. Collect two hundred dollars, okay. I guess. 
Yeah, then... so would it be almost like properties? So you have to like collect all the properties for each one. And then you can buy and sell depending on what you're trying to do. You can solve the puzzle. You can get a daily double on right. privileged access management. Right. Have you ever played Scotland Yard? I have not. Oh, so it's a game like where you have Mr. I think it's like Mr. M or whatever, and he's and you wear a visor, and basically that would be Microsoft. So then, you'd be like all sneaky, like Haha, you'll never know what I'm up to. I feel like this could make a good version of like Settlers of Catan or uh, Stratego. One oh of yeah, those. no, definitely. Because Settlers of Catan was like the the hexagons or. Was it hexagons or the? I think that might have been civilization, or maybe no, it was also no, settlers of Catan. They have the hexagons where you have to create the paths and stuff. See, these are these are like squares, so they would probably make more sense being like magic quadrants instead. <laughs> the five magic quadrants. The Gardner Magic Quadrants of Office Three Sixty Five Enterprise Licensing. Yeah, we could even use like so, like the triangle die instead of the six sided die. Yeah, the D four. The D4, yes. The pyramid-shaped die? Yes, because it's a pyramid scheme. <laughs> That's literally what Microsoft licensing is at this point. So we'll just do... I think we're really on to something. You could make a game out of it. I'm just not good at de de designing a game that can't be easily cheated or exploited at, so... So that's not Microsoft licensing. There should be just a big override button on this board. It's just like, you've been audited. You must now go directly <laughs> to Microsoft, um, like... Audit jail. E E5, E3, audit jail. You lose all of your current licensing and you must per <laughs> you must spend you all must of your money. And you must pay 10 times the original cost. Your TAM will be in contact with you shortly. <laughs> Microsoft's lawyers will be in contact... Oh boy! Oh, <laughs> we're <laughs> we're on to something. That's a wonderful board game we've just created. Yeah, so that exists. It's on GitHub. We'll have the link in the show notes just as to how crazy this rabbit hole goes. Does the guy who maintains this work at Microsoft? He does, but it is not a Microsoft official document. Oh, I hope not. I mean, I don't think they necessarily want you to know half of this. But no. you never know because they're always changing it anyway. But it is a GitHub, and it's change track. There's change tracking, and ooh, there is one. Uh, there is one pull request that was opened by somebody. Create Microsoft 365 on a page. Yeah. I don't know if it doesn't look like it was ever closed, but there is one commit on the page. Oh. So maybe it's possible. May it may it's possible he already did it, but yeah. I thought that was interesting. I like his quote, to be clear, whilst I am a Microsoft employee, these are not official Microsoft published diagrams. They are a visual representation of the product licensing derived from the official online and partner facing resources. I've carefully balanced the level of detail to ensure all the notable feature and license items are accounted for, but it's certainly the case that not all features are present in these diagrams. There are just too many to include. Even he, even he admits there's just so many. There's just so much. Why? Oh, why? I'm just just the file count alone is is making my head spin. Makes your right. eyes glaze over a bit. It hurts. It hurts a lot. Yeah, I need to get this off my screen. I yep. think we should talk about something else now. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so something that I've been hearing a lot about, and I am on a lot of calls with Proofpoint, and do a lot of phishing and compromise account remediation, as I'm sure you do as well, Steve. Yep, that, that, that's a way of life right now. I came across a few articles and a few posts on Reddit of 
people asking the question of how, what is the best way to handle these these compromises because it's very frustrating you you're doing all the right things you think your organization is set up and sometimes your organization it just isn't into the place in which you can do things such as turn on mfa and set complicated passwords and so forth even though you should in their microsoft's way to do things or just any really organization but enable mfa that is number one if you can do it there's no right. reason not to one of the very first things you should do if po first of all if possible is mfa um two if you cannot enable mfa one of the things i would highly suggest recommending is separating out the admin roles from your standard user roles and not only that go even further where separate out your office 365 administrative roles from your on-premise admin roles that way if somehow your non-2FA enabled accounts are compromised, the damage is going to be limited in scope. And not only that, maybe it is possible then certain admin level accounts can be enabled for MFA because they only do so many things. Right. Like your Office 365 admin account is disconnected from the rest of the tenant and the on-premise AD. So maybe you can enable MFA for Azure only accounts or whatnot thus then limiting somewhat what can happen to your tenant or 365 ecosystem by just putting that one mfa shield in place before rolling it out to the rest of your organization which i surely hope you do other than that um definitely rapid response capability and careful monitoring of when suspicious sessions have been detected microsoft cloud app security does include th such features now you can enable it in the Security and Compliance Center, I believe, where you can have all kinds of alerts about suspicious sessions or if an account gets compromised and a destructive inbox rule is placed on the mailbox, you can have an alert for that. Like say something, if the message arrives, then delete it and remove it from the deleted items folder. Um, Cloud App Security can alert for that. So things, little things like that can help. But again, this is more, I'm, I, I've kind of drifted into the reactive part of the protection here. And um, MFA is definitely the first thing you should do. Yes. But there's other things you can do too. Like um, I'm reading this post that you referenced yes. where closing off IMAP and POP is definitely a good one. Or insecure protocols and mail-like oh, things. Yeah. Really, you will, anything, any basic authentication, any legacy auth, shut that down, for lack of better words. For um, sure. You want to enable conditional access if you can. There's no way somebody can be in the United States and in Nigeria at the same time. Right, so impossible. Can... <laughs> the principle of impossible travel must yes. always be followed. Yes. Um, also... I had a thought and I just forgot it, but it's okay. Um, keep your, when we're talking about admin credentials as well, another really good tip is to create at least one to two separate global administrator accounts and not MFA enable them, make them service accounts and store that password away because if you're a regular global administrator accounts get compromised, you want to have a backup of a backup. Right, exactly. So So you want to make that a super secure password that that account has access, yes, it, 
it would hurt that it's a global admin, but the hope would be that you really lock it down and you make the password like as many characters as you possibly can. Yeah, and of course, this probably goes without saying, but definitely limiting the amount of global admins in your organization mm-hmm. to one, if possible. And like I said, secure that well. Don't give it out to anybody. It's the break glass accounts, and even then, barely, almost never use it to right. begin with. And there are new ways to to allow admin rights that automatically expire. So you can give someone a duration of time on an admin account and it will automatically expire. So the days of having to keep track of everything is is going away. Right. So hopefully that uh, that reduces the the attack vector of these compromised accounts in your organization. Mm -hmm. I know. um, it's a constant battle. You probably have to consult with the business in terms of applications and what is currently ready to support MFA and what isn't. Yes. Ed- educating your customers slash users on the MFA guidelines and app passwords for developers or when they are necessary. And what we're talking about um, in the beginning, we mentioned SMS to enable for 2FA. The Authenticator app is also a really great way to not use SMS verification. Yes, there is a podcast that um, I listened to recently. I want to say, oh, geez, I'm forgetting the name of it. It might have been the This Is Uncomfortable podcast where it was the story, uh, the exact episode was called The Snapchat Thief. It was an episode where they interviewed a person who got SIM swapped and they were held for blackmail on their Snapchat account. And it is a same exact um, credential or 2FA stealing mechanism via SMS-based two-factor authentication that can be used for any service that utilizes SMS-based 2FA. So I would highly recommend listening, finding and listening to that episode of This Is Uncomfortable called The Snapchat Thief to hear the full story. And it's really fascinating on how it got resolved because they actually did end up reaching out to the group of people who just breach the account for fun because they would breach the account and they would resell it because it was like a username without any numbers it was like an early adopter username but not only were they selling the account but they were selling the data attached to the account and whatever was on the account was kind of dubious so wow definitely a word of warning to definitely not use sms or text message based two-factor authentication whenever possible if you're using a surface that has the option to use an authenticator app or Authy or Duo or Microsoft Authenticator or Google Authenticator, definitely do that Mm -hmm. and choose that over SMS and disable the SMS option because you never know how your phone can get SIM swapped or someone can spoof your number because that's far more comp. That's far, far more common today with all these spam calls we're getting or texts or whatever. It's surprisingly and shockingly easy to get your number spoofed like that. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And Steve, can you add that to the show notes that way we can share that yeah. awesome. Absolutely. I will I will include that in the show notes as a word of caution for everybody. Right. It's a really it's, it's a really good listen in general. That whole that whole show is the nice because they, they they vary on topics, but that particular one was really good about security and logins and things like that. Oh, that's awesome. All right. No, this has been a very informative episode about all kinds of things. Yeah, for sure. Alrighty, so what do we got next? Oh, look at that. So we have another not sponsor for this week of Hope This Helps. 
and this one is something I'd like to call hope this helps is helped by the cutting edge bleeding where it doesn't matter so just cut anywhere enable everything don't research it all just just get on the cutting edge and start bleeding because it's just not gonna matter and don't cry and just hope that nothing breaks and just always execute in prod that's 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 the real message and the real expectation of the cutting edge so thank you very much to the cutting edge for sponsoring this episode of hope this helps and all of this wonderful advice that we're giving you and they would like to say on behalf of us, we hope that helps. Yeah. I just thought of there's no crying in infrastructure. That was probably my favorite thing I've ever done. There is never crying allowed in infrastructure. Enable it, set it, forget it, walk away, put sunglasses on. Mm-hmm. Read only Friday. All right. Moving along. All right. So it looks like we got some Office 365 recipient limit changes being made in Exchange Online coming up. This is the best news ever. That is excellent. I'm really happy about it. I'm really happy that they're really returning a feature that was for some reason just not really there in Office 365, but was available on-premise. So on-premise, you used to be able to sense the indoctrination of Exchange you used to be able to allow recipient limits. For some reason in Office 365, they had decided to take that away and let people willy-nilly just mail out up to 500 recipients, which if your account gets compromised, that is a nightmare. That is worse than a Taylor Swift song. And to quote, I am a night, I am a daydream dressed, I'm a nightmare dressed like a daydream. Um, Not to mention everyone is going to be telling you about all those job offers and free, like, free babysitting opportunities that you've sent them and all the 3,000 other recipients in your organization. For real. So Microsoft is now finally allowing you to change those, and that is the best news ever. That is fantastic. So I can stop using an AD command to set the recipient limit or set or clear a recipient limit on an account, basically. Microsoft is finally bringing robust options into exchange online proper for this as opposed to having to do some hokey on-premise command that then syncs up with azure via your sync that may or may not exist via ad yes. connect or whatever do not that is do awesome pokey anymore nope so new so is it get mailbox plan set mailbox plan that are the new commandlets for this in powershell specifically um I have the article up and I'm just scrolling through it, but I believe that I is... I believe that is correct. That does seem quite correct. And I think they, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they also unlocked the recipient limits switch of said mailbox now in the that cloud. Is, that is correct. They are that now pre- unlocked. That previously was a switch that was reserved by Microsoft yes. and you had to get around it by the aforementioned AD attribute change instead. That is no longer the case. That is fantastic. And there are options to set it for, you know, you can set it as a policy, you can set it as one, you can set it as many. All of those options appear to be intact now that Microsoft has fully thought it out. Exactly. That is fantastic. So that's really, yeah, that's honestly all I got on that on that topic. I'm fishing for other things, but I'm scrolling through and that seems to be everything that, that, uh, that sticks out to me. No, we've done really well today and kept you guys under an hour but our question of the week today is what kind of it instagram influencer are you oh i can answer this one i am totally the spring break chick 
Oh, jeez. <laughs> did you just go and just go everywhere and just take photos of just servers I, or yes, storage? I hand, and... <laughs> I hand my phone to the person showing me. I'm like, can you take my photo with this? <laughs> Man, I just deployed. I just. I just deployed this sweet retention policy. I gotta get a nice, slick Instagram filter on that. I brought a whole new outfit, guys. Can you take my picture with this? <laughs> I call it the Tuesday at work with a touch of plaid Can you see while that? I'm walking to a meeting. Can you imagine that? You just walk in the hallway and you see someone at their computer like doing their makeup and then you're like, what are you doing? Actually, Steve, do you mind taking my photo? I brought my whole DSLR. I have it all set up. I have my my LED ring. I kind of just... have like t- I kind of have like ten thousand followers and fifteen hashtags that are kind of expecting this. Yeah. So, so I just I set it all up for you. I just need you to take my photo with my computer screen open. It's set to the right settings. Don't touch anything. And I'll tell you when to stop. And then and can just you just picture, <laughs> picture like someone just go like doing all like the Instagram pose faces. Like, hold on, I have to put my hands under my chin, and now I have to do the arms up, and then the we, two thumbs up. We need the full exposure, the no exposure, <laughs> black and white, the ones with the with the fuzzy, the fuzzy grainy filters. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, what kind of IG Instagram influencer are you, Steve? I don't know. I was I was thinking I was thinking about some article I read where it was like, you know, those folks that like it's there's been a resurgence in Chernobyl where like all these Instagram influencers are going just to get like photos of the of the exclusion zone in Pripyat. And I'm imagining like you're you're in you're in the server room, right? And you're the I don't know, the the the, the AC unit has failed and you're in there but you're like check this out it's like 150 degrees i'm gonna take some photos in here <laughs> yes like you put yourself at ri- you're you're like the people who climb a mountain just to get the photo off the edge of the cliff yeah you you, you gotta get you gotta get a picture of the decibel rating in the room and the thermometer and the fact that you're standing in the middle of it all and you haven't died yet just because you need to get those sweet sweet likes yes and then you like hashtag you you at everybody in Microsoft all the VIPs you tag your Tam you say hey can I get a discount on this because I got this nice nice uh, some nice social media cred on this yes that's that's the kind of sysadmin influencer culture that I want to <laughs> I want to foster yes so good so good it works for everyone else why can't it work for IT agreed I am with you on that. Oh boy, it's amazing right. that that can that can that can that can be a career that you can literally just create. What Agreed. a world we live in! It's awesome. Agreed. I just want to be the one who takes lots of photos in front of servers now. Yeah, just unnecessary shots of just yourself with servers, and then you yes. just put some. You you do like some vague booking hashtags of like. Hashtag Anything. server ops model. Hashtag look at me in this room. Hashtag this is my life now. Hashtag why am I so sad on the inside? Or some kind of song <laughs> lyrics to something from 2005 that just have nothing to do with the photo, but you just put it on to make it seem like it's a much deeper concept than it actually is. Or please advise. That's, that's also fine. 
Yeah, please advise is so good. Please advise. Oh, yeah, hashtag please advise. Hashtag please advise. Hashtag please I, advice. I think that's this week's episode name. Hashtag please advise. Yeah, or something like that. Something like that. We'll let Jen pick. She's smart. Okay. Right. So, from us to you, hope this helps. Yeah, hope this helps, and uh, maybe as the as the weekly assignment for everybody else, um, I don't know. Send us some IT Instagram, the uh, uh, IT Instagram influencer photos that are that are worthy of such such things. Just don't violate any NDAs or or you know security policies. We're not asking for that kind of <laughs> that kind of trouble, but. Maybe it will break up the week a little more than than what it, this podcast currently does. Yeah. All right. So All of those I, things. Yeah. So I originally thought this podcast was going to be a two-parter, but I think we were somehow able to cram this all in here handily. Yeah. No, we did well. That is fantastic. So do we have anything else to add, or are we good on concluding? I think... As far as I know, I think we got to everything this week. That is correct. Until next time, please advise. Please advise and hope this helps.